Week seven has officially finished off as we move into week eight. And pretty much towards the halfway mark in the season, I can't believe we're already this far. But we do have plenty to talk about. And I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. You were listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. So, CJ, you ready to talk some Tom Brady, AFC East, the Colts? The Colts, they just met bench Matt Ryan less than halfway through the season. You know, I don't want to talk about Tom Brady like that, but looks like I'm going to have to. Yep. We, at the end of the day, we do have to be an unbiased podcast page. And although we are religious Tom Brady followers, we, we got we to gotta speak critically on Well, this I mean, guy. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you got to call it like you see. And right now, I do not like what I'm seeing. Bro's handling a divorce. And his team went below 500. And his offensive line is still just completely banged up. It's really awful. But we're going to jump right into that. And so the Patri- uh, excuse me, Patriots. Uh, so <laughs> the Buccaneers lose and they fall to three and four. This is the first time a Brady-led team has fallen below 500 seven weeks into the season since 2002. So CJ... I have to ask this question, and I'm dying inside asking this. Is Tom Brady done after this season? I don't know. Plain and simple, I do not know. Now, I think I saw like on Bleacher Report, he said something along the lines of, there's no plans for retirement in my future. But I honestly, for the first time, I don't know if I believe him. I mean, maybe his struggles this season, you can attribute – you know, to the impending divorce. You know, I imagine it weighs on him. His O-line's banged up. His whole team's just crumbling. I just, I don't understand, like, what, what's going on. And I would say his age is showing, but you saw that, uh, I don't know if you watched the Carolina game, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Brady was placing the ball, like, right on them, and they were just dropping wide open, easy passes, especially Mike Evans in that first quarter. Godwin, too, a little bit, but, like, I mean, I don't know. Just If I were Brady right now, I would ride out the rest of the year, and I would say, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I mean, think about it. He's the GOAT. We know he's the GOAT. He has nothing left to prove. You know, just ride off into the sunset, and don't become a withered husk of yourself like Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or Ben Roethlisberger in their final years. Remember, those, those were goddamn terrible. But is Brady done? I mean, that's really the only question Brady himself can answer. I can tell you that if I were Brady, he'd be done. But I'm leaning toward no. I don't think he'll, like, allow himself to be done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the way I look at it, he may not be done with his playing career. At least I don't believe so. He could could retire. But I I think he's going to be done as a Buccaneer. He might go somewhere else because we already have seen confirmed rumors that the Dolphins did in fact go all in on Tom Brady to try and land him and Sean Payton in the past. And it seems like it almost happened. So clearly he had some sort of desire to go there. And of course, after it dies out, Bruce Arians is out. So it's interesting how this all worked out. 
Now, will he be a, Dol- a Miami Dolphin? Who knows? They might stick with Tua. But I do think, like, with the way this team is going, the chemistry with him and the team just doesn't seem the same. He doesn't seem on the same page with Mike Evans or M- Chris Godwin. You can't just blame the two of the better running uh, uh, wide receivers in the game. Can't do that. And you also can't look at Tom Brady and say, this kid, th- uh, excuse- this guy can still <laughs> play. Or he can't still play because it looks like he still has the abilities and he doesn't look like he's lost really that much. In fact, I don't think he's lost anything at all. seems like a mental thing. Maybe something off the field with this, with all this stuff going on with his family, maybe something with, you know, the uh, adjusting to a new coach. It's Todd Bowles who runs a much, a much different offense that may not make Tom Brady quite as happy. He may, maybe he didn't like Bruce Arians, but say what you want about him, he always let the quarterback throw the ball. He let him sling it, and Brady loved it, and he threw 40 or more touchdown passes in each of the past two seasons. It, he's absolutely not on pace to do that this season. He'll, he'll be lucky if he hits 30 at this point. And like maybe it's part of, partially that, but really I just can't look at it in his physical abilities. It doesn't look like those are diminished right now. And it also doesn't look like he's on the same page with with the rest of the team, which might tell me that maybe he's not done uh, in in general with playing football. But I do think he might he might move on to a different team because he I mean, you don't come out of retirement, wind up getting a divorce just to hang it up after one year. You just don't do that at that point. I know he has a he he has a deal with Fox. But I, I bet they'd wait it out for a couple of years. It's Tom Brady. They're going to wait. But the way you look at it, I just it just wouldn't make sense for him to, for him to retire after just this one year. It just doesn't anymore. I, I thought it made sense before because I thought he would go out with a ring. Then he had all, the, all these issues with his family. And like also these issues with the team. You can't go out like this. You can't. He's practically losing his family. There's no way he's going there's no way you lose all of that just to go to, just to say yeah, I'm done after this year, you know? I just don't see it that way, especially since he he clearly still has the physical ability to do it in the on the NFL level. So that's kind of my two cents. Yeah, I, I hear you. I do and I mean I, I do agree, you know, when you say that <clears throat> that he might be done with Tampa but not done in the league. But once again, before we end the segment, I will reiterate, if he were smart, he would hang it up. And, Adam, I know you've said, that, oh, no, he shouldn't do that. But, I mean, at this point, salvage what you can with Giselle and your children and just get out. Because he always said he wanted to play till age 45. And guess what? He's 45. You know, you made a promise. Now just hang it up because you have that multi-million dollar deal with Fox. Just go do that, man. And honestly, I'm starting to get a little worried about him. It's like I know he eats, sleeps, and breathes football, but oh man, I uh, I'm starting to worry that it's going to be like the death of him. I'm not talking about like physically. I'm saying that everything in his social life will like just wither all around him. Right, but I'm just worried at this point now. That maybe it's, I mean, they, they hired divorce lawyers. So it doesn't seem like you, does this, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I have no ties in that family, obviously, but 
when you hire divorce lawyers, does that not seem like it's not salvageable? Like it I, seems like they both. I don't know. To... Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That doesn't necessarily. Hey, man, a divorce isn't official until pen hits paper. That's true. That's just true. ask Josh and, McDaniels and the Colts. <laughs> and yeah, and if he if he decides if he decides to hang it up and they salvage everything, good for him. He goes out happy ending. Maybe they the Bucks make the playoffs. Maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. They are in first right now, technically. But, yeah, but their whole division's garbage. Yeah, first is first, and if you get first, you're automatically in the playoffs. So yeah, Seattle was seven and nine and did that, and look what happened to them. Just got to find a way to sneak in. Could be the first seven and nine team to make the playoffs and win the Super Except Bowl. And Tom Brady anymore. will create another another milestone. Just kidding. Um, this team very, has a very small chance of winning the Super Bowl, if any. So there's if you, for those of you accusing me of bias, there you go. I don't believe in I don't believe in this in this uh, in this Buccaneers team. I don't, uh, and. I, I wish Tom Brady the best in whatever he does going forward. But we do want to move on. So now that we've talk, talked about Tom Brady, we're going to talk about that AFC East division, which is looking awfully competitive. And we'll hit on all the storylines hitting with them because it's a very eventful divi- division. Plenty of headlines going around uh, from around the league in the AFC East. We'll hit on that next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. So the AFC East division has gotten a little dicey, but yet competitive. So the Buffalo Bills, first place, six and one record. Or no, five and one. Yeah, I think they're five and one. Five and one, because they had a bye. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Then you have the New York Jets, five and two. Then you have the Miami Dolphins, four and three. And then after that, the Patriots at three and four. They're the only team below 500. And they did have a chance to go above it when they did not and got blown out by the Bears. But, CJ, do you see this being like the NFC East of the AFC? So the other East team becoming the most competitive? You know what? Yeah, I do. And I would actually argue if the AFC East is far and away the most competitive in the AFC. In fact, you could argue they're probably what the AFC West was supposed to be, if you catch my drift. I mean, consider this. We all know someone's got to lose, and it looks like right now it's the Patriots. But the Patriots in and of themselves aren't that bad of a team. I mean, they've shown that they can win. They already have three wins. And, you know, Miami has had, like, some bad luck with injuries and Tua Tagovailoa, you know, with his brain getting destroyed. 
the Jets are surprising everyone, and the Bills are exactly who we thought they were going to be. So, yeah, I wouldn't. Now, I do think this division is Buffalo's to lose, but unlike the beginning of the year, I don't think that it's clear cut. They're going to take it, no questions asked. Every team, whether it be the Patriots, who, you know, like I said, they're not the best, but they have some fight in them, or, or the Dolphins or Jets, who are also above 500. Any one of these teams can win or lose on any given day, and you can't just call the division quite yet. But long story short, Adam, to answer your question, I would say the AFC East is the most competitive team in the AFC. Honestly, second and probably the second most in the NFL just behind the NFC East. Yeah, I would say that it's honestly the it is like looking just looking at the records here among the AFC, it's really been a diff, disappointing conference because of all those players who flocked over to the AFC, especially the F, the AFC West, which has been very disappointing. Half of those half of that division's below 500. The Vegas Raiders 2 and 4, Denver Broncos 2 and 5. Other than that, I mean, you really uh, the you got the Buffalo Bills at five and one, and so here's here's one part that here's two parts that we want that you and I wanted to discuss off camera. The New York Jets might be five and two, but they just lost their most dynamic weapon in Brees Hall at at the running back position. This has been a team that's been very uh, defense and running the ball oriented. Their defense has been dominant this. I wouldn't say dominant, but very 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 good. And Brees Hall has led that rush, that rushing game. And now they leave it to Michael Carter. Then they go out and they trade for uh, James Robinson. So they have those two to lead the backfield. Do you see – so without Brees Hall, do you see them still being able to produce on the same level? Uh, offensively, not really. I mean, this is no disrespect to James Robinson, you know, who they traded for, but he's not Brees Hall. Brees Hall was arguably the front runner to get Offensive Rookie of the Year this year, and that's definitely going to take a big chunk out of their running game. And for those of you at home that are saying, oh, but what about Michael Carter? Hey, do you really think they trust him to be RB1? They, They literally just traded for James Robinson. That doesn't exactly scream, I'm comfortable with Michael Carter being RB1. But what I don't know. I don't even know if the Jets were, were legit like to begin with because they're winning, but they're not. But other than the Dolphins game, they're not really winning pretty, you know? I mean, there's a difference, you and I know, between a win and a convincing win. I mean, but if you're winning like these 16 to 9 scrums, I'm uh, going to have to look at you a little funny. And the road's just going to get a little bit tougher without Brees Hall. Now, I do like Robert Sala, but. I, I I really don't know if like he's a if he can like make them like a playoff contender. But then again, the AFC is just really up for grabs. So who really knows at this point? But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher without Hall. Yeah, I mean, when you have that workhorse back, who is like a special talent. I mean, you look at some of the some of the running backs around the league, the Dalvin Cooks, the Christian McCaffrey's around the around the league. You can even say Najee Harris whenever he has a competent offensive line and a, a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger who's willing to pepper him with targets. 
then that that's pretty hard to that's pretty hard to replace. Even when you go with a little committee with James Robinson and Michael Carter, who are who are both very respectable in their own rights, but like it, this could take a hit because it's not really the same as that one dynamic guy who can make everyone miss. He can do everything. Neither of those, like I, I've always liked Michael Carter and I love James Robinson. I'm very Im- impressed by his, by his progress from this eight, from this Achilles tear. But like, I don't see, I really, I really hope they can figure it out, but I don't, I just, they might still win games because they're five and two and they're on a roll and just their offense might not be the same and they might need to go more towards a passing uh, offense, maybe a little more, not quite. Um, I mean, not a, we're not going with a pass first offense, but they're going to have to get more involved in the passing game with Garrett. Will. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, uh, Elijah Moore, even though he asked for a trade, <laughs> they're going to, they're going to have to do that. Aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. However, um, I, I would like to say one thing. Yeah. For those who don't know, remember how I said, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, they're winning, but they're not winning pretty. A lot of that, like I said, you know, like I'm about to say, comes down to Zach Wilson. He hasn't thrown a touchdown since October 2nd. He has a completion percentage of 57%. 693 passing yards, a touchdown, and two picks for a passer rating of 73.6. Yep. That's all I'm saying. I mean, if so, Jets, you're five and two. I'm happy for you. I am. But if you want to reach that upper echelon, if you want to be true contenders and not just a one and done wild card, you're gonna you're gonna have to start airing it out a little bit more. You drafted Zach Wilson in the second, you know, with the second overall pick. Time to trust him. Yeah. I mean, defense and running the ball, man. Defense and running the ball, which has been exactly what they've done. And it has worked. Just if you're going, like, now that they don't have Brees Hall anymore, I just think they might have to go to more of, they might have to trust the passing game with Zach Wilson now. And they have some pieces that they can throw to that just they haven't this year. So they're going they're going to have to figure it out with Zach Wilson and start to take the training wheels off with him even though we're 2 years in. What? This is only a second season. That's what I'm saying, second season. Oh, okay. This is this he's he's on to his second season. So this oh, is yeah. where you need to start seeing strides from him. But you know, like he he what what did he have like 10 completions for 186 yards last game and no touchdowns in his last game? Last game, he had like 121 yards and a completion percentage of 61%, no touchdowns, no picks. All right. So, like, oof. I can see why Elijah Moore wants a trade, just saying. And it's I'm not willing to give up on him just yet, but no, I they, mean, neither like, am the I fact that the fact that they don't that they don't trust him yet. They don't trust him to start throwing the ball yet. It's a bit of a problem. And bit. so there's there's our Jets take, um, but I wanted to I wanted to get to the Patriots specifically. Now we already we were talking about making this the segment for set our second segment, but Patriots uh, 
Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. Here's what happened on Monday Night Football. Mac Jones throws a pick. He's limping around, and they take him out of the game early. Then Bailey Zappi comes in. He almost immediately throws a touchdown pass to, J- to Jacoby Myers. He threw a great jump ball to Devontae Parker, and they were able to, in a blink of an eye, turn a, a, turn a 10-0 deficit to a 14-10 lead in like, like that. Then the wheels fell off after that, like shortly after that. It quickly fizzled out. And next thing you know, Bailey Zappi's final stat line ends with a 1-2 touchdown-to-interception ratio. He threw two picks. So the part that's been really helping him, the fact that he's just not turning the ball over, that, was, that wasn't the case this game. So who do you start now? Because now you have two quarterbacks who are both really struggling now. Like they like we could realistically have a situation where they both suck. Well, Adam, there is an old saying. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And good God, I'm hoping that's not true. Now, if you will, consider this. Are you considering? I'm thinking. Okay, good, 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 good. Not think, I'm listening. but consider. <laughs> but, but seriously, Mac. I love Mac Jones. I really do. I have his jersey. But I feel so bad for him. You can tell like by his body language on the sideline. He doesn't trust us anymore. He really doesn't. We have shattered his confidence. And when your first-round quarterback doesn't trust you, nor does he have any confidence, you're in a worrisome place. And now maybe Bailey Zappi's not all that. Bill, Mac made one mistake, and you got greedy. You threw in Zappi, and now look what happened. And do you know, Adam, what the scariest part is? Yeah. Do you are are you ready? What's what's the scare what's the scariest part? Let's let's hurry up here. Doug Keyed give it to me. Said Jacoby Myers outright said he was surprised Mac was pulled quickly, and so was Mike on Wenu. And in fact, apparently there's not much communication from coaches to receivers. Apparently, they planned on playing both quarterbacks and wasn't communicated well with the team. And even uh Patriots insider Justin Ramos said, quote. One Patriots player in particular, after last night, went up to Mac Jones and apologized to him, saying he didn't know he would be benched. And there are people in the own or in our own organization who are questioning and wondering, like, why Bill's literally calling a different offense for Zappy versus Jones. There's drama here, and I hate it. Well, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, it seems like this type of offense that they're running with Zappi was the type that they ran with Mac Jones. Is that correct? No, it was That's, not. Zappi's taking more deep shots. No, from like last, so it was Mac Jones last season. That's what I mean. Eh, and they kind of played more of a conservative play, play style. No, but the offense under Zappi these past few weeks were a lot more explosive. I'm just saying. A couple plays. I mean, every now and then. Whenever, when Bailey Zappi decides to throw the ball, he hucks it 40 yards. It's either that or it's a screen play. There's really not much in between with him. But, like, it seems, I mean, it seems that Mac Jones, they just want to play more of a, they, they want to go with more, you know, take the training wheels off and run an offense where they're, where they're throwing the ball over the, all over the place. Being the Justin Herbert 
the Joe, the Joe Burrow. And they may not have the weapons that he has, but I think they're respectable. I think Kendrick Bourne, if they could get him out of the freaking doghouse, can do something. I think Devontae Parker has shown tremendous flashes yeah. that he can be a wide receiver one. Also, don't forget Kendrick. Jacoby uh, Myers. No, uh, uh, Tyquan Thornton's been showing flashes too. And it looks like that. And it looks like that Patriots team has been giving him the opportunities because uh, Nelson Aguilar only saw a few snaps on that team. Yeah. But Tyquan Thornton has been taking significant snaps. So, yeah. yeah. Looking at that. All right. Well, I don't know anymore. We want. We're gonna want to uh, move on, but we're going to get to the Colts and how they have gone through twelve different starting quarterbacks in uh, what is it? The past four seasons. Something like that. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about their. We're gonna question their approach and what they should do differently now that they've benched Matt Ryan. Don't go anywhere. This is the Fumble Ruski podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power88, Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. So, head coach Frank Reich suggested on Monday that the Colts are going to bench quarterback Matt Ryan, the starter, their prized acquisition for backup Sam Ellinger. And he is now the 12th quarterback to start under Frank Reich since 2018. So, CJ, they've kind of gone – they haven't really drafted a quarterback, at least a significant one that they're trying to, you know, be their franchise guy. They've been bringing in a lot of guys who are either either bridges or quarterbacks who they want to be the next Peyton Manning on the Broncos. So do you think they need to take more of a conservative approach? What do you think they should start doing more? Well, first, I uh, well, what do you mean by conservative approach? As in, how about we draft a quarterback and develop them early on, let's say, the, in the first round? Yes. Is that even a question? Yes. For the past, like, four and a half seasons, five seasons, if you would, in, ever since Andrew Lux retired, Indy has just had bridge quarterback after bridge quarterback after bridge quarterback. Carson Wentz was an experiment. He drafted Sam Ellinger for some reason. I mean, I liked him in Texas, but he's like a fifth or sixth round pick. And I highly doubt he's going to be like the next Tom Brady. You know, Matt Ryan. Did anyone really think Matt Ryan would be here for the long haul? I mean, I, I'm fairly certain I've said this on the, on the show before, but... Indy just needs to rip off the Band-Aid and get like, and just draft someone in the first round. I mean, that's all yeah. I can say. 
No more bridge quarterbacks. Your fans they are tired of it. The analysts are tired of it. Heck, even I'm tired of it. Like, it's just your team will not progress until you get a franchise guy. The longer you wait, you know, the, the more your window closes. You don't want to waste people like Shaq Leonard and Jonathan Taylor, believe me. Yeah, look, so it seems like they've gone in the past, let's say, 10 years, they've gone to a couple of, they, they've gone to two extremes. So they started off in 2011, they tanked after they got rid of Peyton Manning and the whole suck for luck campaign went on and they went and got Andrew Luck. And now that they've they moved on it. from Andrew, now that they've moved on to, from Andrew Luck, they've gone for let's find that one quarterback who's a veteran and try to go all in for a championship like the Broncos did in the early 2010s. And that's clearly not working because, I mean, it's hard to find a quarterback who is that old and still has it. And, you know, and you also need to, they need to figure out the playbook. I mean, it, it has worked a couple of times. The with Tom Brady, it worked out, but he's, he's a, he's just a different animal. It's, it's hard to just compare a quarterback to Tom Brady, especially this late in the, in the game. He's a freaking, but like they do what everyone else is doing because you need to find you like, I know it's a pain because finding that next guy is hard, but that's the best way to do it. Find a quarterback, develop him. And you take three years. That's, that's the template three years to figure out whether or not he's the guy. If not, you toss him aside, you try again. And it seems that that seems hard, but they have to because what they're doing isn't working. They're dragging things out in the, in the time that they've moved on from luck. It's been four years. They could have found like two, two different quarterbacks in the first round by now found out one didn't work, then drafted another one. And then that guy works out. And next thing you know, we're right here during in the present day, 2022, not 2018. And you have that guy of the future. That's not really like you're just dragging things out in the years where you have Brissett starting, where you have, let me, let me bring up where you have Carson Wentz starting when you have Philip rivers, freaking Brian Hoyer. They have Brian Hoyer for I keep forgetting that they had Brian Hoyer for a couple of years. Heck I forget that. I forgot they had Philip rivers. Sam Ellinger started already started a couple games. Like, actually, I don't think he did. Did he? Carson Wentz started the whole season. Mm. But still, just you've got you. They they need to change the way they're they're going about things because, like, they have they do have some good talent around them. Just they're not the quarterback situation is the part that they that they're kind of trying to cheap out on. They're just trying to bring in some old veterans. And figuring out whether or not these guys can th- these guys can take him to the promised land. Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, those three guys, who are maybe if they were in their primes, they'd be able to do a little a little something. But at this point in their careers, I mean, come you don't. It's not every day where you see a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady who is just able to to do what they do late in their careers. It's just that's too that's rare. That's very rare. I don't know. That's my two cents. 
Yeah, yeah, you're correct. But we do want to move on, and we are going to go on to the Fumble Rooski Fantasy Fix, where we are going to give you guys our Week 8 waiver wire pickups. So we're going to tell you exactly who you should pick up in your league. So don't go anywhere. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88. Secret Weapon Consulting, Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. We have reached the Fumble Rooski Fantasy Fix where you get we give you fantasy football advice. We go on Tuesdays, waiver wire pickups, and Thursdays, stardom, excuse me, Fridays, stardom sit-ems. So today, of course, is waiver wire pickups. So we're going to start with running backs where I'm going to give you Deontay Foreman and Gus Edwards. Two players who really impressed this past week and are most likely on your waiver on your waiver uh, wire. They're free agents. Go out, go out and get them if they're not already. Uh, then for wide receiver, we have Paris Campbell and Mikol Hardman, two players who are also not widely owned, but you should still try and get them on your lineup, uh, uh, on your roster. Going off to tight ends, Taysom Hill and Greg Dulkich. Then going to quarterback streamers, we're going to give you Daniel Jones, who is facing Seattle this week. And we have Sam Ellinger versus Washington. Uh, and going on to defense slash special team streamers, we're going to give you Jackson, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars defense versus Denver. And then the Panthers at Atlanta. So there is your official week eight waiver wire pickups for the fumble Ruski podcast. So good luck for you to you guys on those picks. And that has been your fumble Ruski fantasy fix up next. We're going to get to our fumble Ruski fan box. We're going to get you guys to predict the jet, uh, the giants final regular season record. That's next. You are listening to the fumble Ruski podcast. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. And we are on to the Fumble Rooski fan box where we post a question filter on our Instagram every Monday. And you can respond with hot takes, questions, and more. 
and we will discuss it and give you a shout-out on our podcast. Respond to next week's fan box question to be featured on our show. Now, the question of the week, and more of a statement or a, a command, as you will, as uh, if you will, <laughs> predict the Giants' final regular season record. So one of the great surprises this season at a 6-1 and one start for the Giants. I kind of got curious. What do you guys think his their final record is going to be? Because they're off to a hot start, which nobody saw coming, or at least many people didn't. Um, so going on to our our answers, we have Damon Bergfeld, who said 9-8. and eight. So essentially predicted a collapse, if you will. Uh, Zachary Stilson said 12 and five. I'd say that's a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty good record. So that would mean so they're six and one. That would mean they're going like five and five and six, correct? Five and six, or excuse me, six and five. So that's something like, like that. 500 down the stretch. It's crazy to predict such a great record would be only six and five down the stretch. But uh, Mike Braun said 10, 6, and 1. So that's bold, predicting a tie in there. Mm, Those are very rare. Yeah, go big or go home, I guess. Or tie. Uh, um, And Landon Weber said 10 and 7. I'd say, so because they're exceeding expectations, I guess I could see these lower records to be, I guess, realistic. Sounds right, because I, I just it feels like they're performing better than than their record suggests like they're still being they're still competitive but this feels like a 500 team yeah, yeah. Than performing but robert canedo said 12 and 5 another one where it's a good Maybe record a but high. that's it suggests that they go 6 and 5 down the stretch so kind of still a collapse there uh cola dj said 9 and 8 so another Major collapse right there. Um, that means you get a losing record down the stretch. Eli Turner said they have a lot of easy games, so 12 and 5. That's still a 6 and 5 record after this. Um, Stephen Parker said if Saquon is healthy, their schedule seems easy 13 and 4. That is something that is an interesting point to bring up is that Saquon has been the staple of this team. They ha- without him, they, they haven't been able to produce any offense. It's not Daniel Jones who's doing it. He's doing great not turning the ball over. But in terms of putting points on the board, it's been Saquon who's been uh, – it's courtesy of Saquon. So, yeah, if he gets hurt, then this all goes down the drain, doesn't it? All of it. They may not. Yeah, they may finish much. with a losing record if he, fall, if he gets hurt because they have nothing else. Their wide receiving core is respectable, but – it's always hurt. Always yeah. hurt. Oh, and uh, Adam? Yeah. I would like to uh, quickly uh, bring up Daniel Jones's uh, stat line. This is another thing where, I mean, he's keeping the mistakes to a minimum, but only a 66% completion percentage, about 1,223 66. yards. 66 is pretty good. Yeah, it's good, but, you know, six That's touchdowns, really, really two good. picks. But, I mean, he's not putting the team on his back and winning games, you know? He hasn't right. even passed for over 300 yards this year. His highest is 217. Right. So that, that's what I'm saying. He's been more of a kind of a game manager. Like, he's not the reason they're losing, which is, which is actually big for a quarterback. It's a very underrated thing. 
It's also because, not the reason they're winning either. Because just not – it can. Because just not turning the ball over and keeping the defense uh, – keeping the defense off the field while you're running back in Saquon Barkley is running the clock out, that's huge. So I do think that can be part of it. Because once you turn the ball over, that whole scheme goes away. So I do think I, I do think it's part of it. He's just not – like – He's not playing a huge factor. He's not lighting the world on fire. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Isaac Zonana, uh, Zonana, Zonana said eleven and six. So yeah, that's a that's another realistic one. Your boy Ian or Ian Mulhern, Ian Mulhern also said eleven and six. That's a reasonable record. It means they finish with a with uh, going down the stretch with a losing record, but. Uh, Dylan Powell said 13 and four, as well as William Mannell, who also said 13 and four. Perhaps. That's a pretty, that's a bold record. 13 and four. Like, For the Daniel Jones led, uh, the Daniel Jones led Giants. I don't even think they're going to be better than Philly, to be perfectly honest. You think they're going to be better? No, I said I don't think that. Well, yeah. I mean, Philly's, Philly's. So, been, Philly's so six is, and but is Phil, yeah, but is Philly going to go like above thirteen and four? We'll never know until the season's over. I think they will. Perhaps. I think they will. We'll we'll see what happens, barring some epic collapse. Yeah. Uh, but that is the last of our responses. CJ, any other thoughts before we end the show tonight? Nope, not a one. All right, so that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays and Fridays at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week over and out.